Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. The wheel of the year is turning and I am thrilled that it's finally starting to feel like autumn here in Nashville. I've absolutely noticed an extra spring in my step and can't help but smile when I hear the sound of leaves crunching under my feet. The pumpkins are out on my front doorstep and Trader Joe's fall themed snacks are stocked in the pantry and my magic is slowly but surely being reawakened. During spooky season, I'm in the mood for scary movies and everyday activities get infused with a bit of mystery. My dress takes on a more gothic flair and I find myself time traveling in my ongoing research and historical interests to the Victorian era, spanning mid to late 19th century. There's something about the juxtaposition between their notoriety for strict moral character with their incessant fascination with death and the spirit world that captivates me endlessly. From their gorgeous and intricate mourning jewelry, often made of richly macabre materials like black onyx and seed pearls, to their home funerals and corpse photography, death was very much a part of Victorian life. I thought it might be interesting and very aligned with today's guest to discuss a bit of the history of spiritualism and mediumship in the American Victorian era. As a side note, I did an intro about Arthur Conan Doyle and European spiritualism in Season 1, Episode 11, in case you're interested. To kick things off, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the teenage Fox sisters, who inadvertently ignited the craze for haunted demonstrations here in the U.S. in what began as a prank they played on their parents by cracking their toes on the rickety wooden floors of their old farmhouse. The Fox sisters went on to perform seances all over the country and made it a national trend. They later admitted their antics had been fake after shouldering immense guilt, but their historical significance had been solidified. But mediumship, be it fraudulent or earnest, was nothing new. Indeed, these practices had been a part of various ancient and indigenous civilizations for centuries. While there were several notable men who contributed to spiritualism's movement throughout the U.S. during this time, including the likes of Anton Mesmer, Emanuel Swedenborg, and Andrew Jackson Davis, I find myself gravitating towards the women of the spiritualist movement. At this time, spirit mediumship became an important small set of limited career options for women. 
The following rundown of significant female mediums comes from a great New Yorker article, which I'll link to in the show notes. Medium Annie Denton Cridge became a newspaper publisher and wrote one of the earliest feminist utopian novels, centering around a matriarchal government on Mars. Victoria Woodhull, a clairvoyant turned suffragist, became, with her sister, one of the first women to start a brokerage firm on Wall Street, and later, the first to actually run for President of the United States. Emma Hardinge Britton, an opera-singing skeptic who set out to discredit the spiritualists, but ended up joining them, became one of the country's most popular public speakers and helped Abraham Lincoln win re-election. Sojourner Truth, already renowned as an abolitionist and suffragist, became fascinated by spiritualism around 1856 when she was invited by a radical Quaker sect, the Friends of Human Progress, to give a speech on abolition in Battle Creek, Michigan. Within a year, Truth moved to Michigan, purchasing a home in the nearby village of Harmonia, and joined the Battle Creek spiritualist community in 1867. The notion that women were more naturally predestined to the kind of receptivity and empathy it took to be able to walk the delicate tightrope between worlds in this way. In her book, The Sympathetic Medium, Feminine Channeling, The Occult, and Communication Technologies, 1859-1919, to Jill Galvan has this to say, quote, In short, Women were exemplary go-betweens because they potentially combined the right kind of presence with the right kind of absence, unquote. The religious scholar Anne Broad's groundbreaking book, Radical Spirits, acknowledges this spiritualist work as social and political activism, since it gave women the opportunity to speak in public and as a foundation of the women's rights movement, since it demonstrated the equality of the sexes. But the backlash was harsh. Spiritualism was ridiculed for many reasons, including discomfort with its female leaders. These days, almost a third of Americans say they have communicated with someone who has died. Evidential mediums such as Frank Castellano here in Nashville have wait lists over a year long. Direct accounts from his clients cite incredible evidence and accuracy, such as the exact code to a safe left behind by a deceased father for his daughter. There are over 100 spiritualist churches here in the U.S. and over 300 in Europe, though such institutions hardly represent the full extent of spiritualism's popularity, since the movement does not emphasize doctrines, dogmas, or creeds, and plenty of people hold spiritualist beliefs within other faith traditions or stand entirely outside organized religion. Early spiritualism attracted some of the great scientists of the day, including the physicists Marie and Pierre Curie, the evolutionary biologist Alfred Russell Wallace, and the psychologist William James, all of whom believed that modern scientific methods, far from standing in opposition to the spiritual realm, could finally prove its existence. In the mid-19th century, Americans' religious beliefs were shaken by scientific discoveries. Newly unearthed fossils and analyses of the geological record indicated that the Earth was far older than the Bible claimed it to be. People found themselves needing to reconcile this and started asking different sets of questions around why we believe what we believe. Which brings me to today's guest. I sat down with musical artist Harper Gray to talk about dreams, creativity, and spirituality. 
and ended up having a nuanced conversation about her experience deconstructing and reconstructing her religious beliefs, integrating her queer identity, and cultivating her psychic and mediumistic gifts. This is a juicy one, y'all. So buckle up and enjoy. All right. Harper Gray, welcome to Psyche Magic. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, we definitely just talking off mic a little bit. I'm already just feeling it. I'm feeling the good vibes. I'm really excited to learn more about you and your world and your work. So yay. I'm excited to share, girl. Oh, she's ready. She's ready. We were talking about how we're approaching a Mercury retrograde and we're approaching a full moon. And yeah, I can tell that I'm feeling a little bit more kind of emotionally like open and like yeah. raw than I might normally. So we're really on brand. And it's also ironic. I was thinking about this morning because we've been trying to get together for this podcast for a minute. And I was like, how ironic that we're doing it right. Like when Mercury in retrograde is about to happen and communication is normally like not great. And that's when our space aligned together. But then also with the full moon in Pisces, just reflecting on that, like that's such a spiritually uh, like awakening moon. So then it also is beautifully aligned with that. So <laughs> exactly. And uh, we are water signs because you were just yeah. saying that you're a cancer. I am a Pisces. Oh, so honey. So here we go. <laughs> I know I'm a triple wa- I'm Pisces sun, Scorpio moon and Scorpio rising. So I'm just all water. I'm just, I'm nothing but water. All water in my house. So I I totally understand that. I'm a cancer sun, Uh a Sag moon. Oh, love. Taurus rising. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) So you've got the, but you've got the, like, you know, a mixture, you've got the earthy like vibes to kind of ground you a little bit. Sag is a air sign. Is that right? Sag is fire. Okay. Love it. Like I legitimately am the, I mean, cancers already, like we're so calm and chill until we're not, but like you add that with a Sag moon and it's just like, watch out. I'm not messed with. Like you look at me wrong and I will Mm -hmm. do and say nothing, but you will walk away. You you will know it's time to move on. You will know that you should rethink every choice you've ever made. That's all. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, I wish the audience could see your face right now because it's like you're not playing as you're saying this. Like like mama bear comes out. It's like the mama, like that is all of my friends. They call me like the mama bear because that is I'm not just like the mama of the friend group. Like I'm the you mess with my people. But that's also Harper, like, okay, spoiler alert for the listeners, but we're talking about how we are both very energetically sensitive people. Okay. So that's part of it too, is that you feel those vibes more. Yeah. You have like a predisposition to like, you're like a moth to a flame. You're like, give me that. It's a different language. It's like you, we can just decipher and listen and see and feel a different language that other people can't. 100. Okay. On that note, speaking of energy and languages, it is time for our tarot pull, my dear. So I'm going to shuffle my beloved Smithwaite tarot deck. I just, you know, she never, she never does me wrong. 
Yes. She always we knows what we need. Deck that doesn't so, do us dirty. For real. So the intention here is, as always, just a little bit of guidance for our conversation. What feels useful? What feels restorative? What feels loving? I would say during this time, like we're approaching a full moon. Like, let's give us give us a little love. How about that? Yeah. I always have to wait for the little tingle. <laughs> same our <laughs> sentience yes <laughs> oh honey you're not ready I'm not am I gonna uh -uh. cry oh <laughs> okay so for, have a good talk right right <laughs> no I have chills okay so for the <laughs> listeners the card that we pulled is the empress card yes okay so for those of you who are familiar with tarot of course we know her we love her for those of you who are not so let me just describe for the listeners this card briefly so this is just a beautiful like voluptuous figure like she's just like a very abundant figure and she's sitting on this kind of throne of like velvet cushions and pillows and she has the symbol for venus next to her she's in a field of wheat behind her there's this very lush landscape with a waterfall she's holding a scepter and she's wearing a crown of stars and she's just draped in this gorgeous kind of caftan gown yeah. just lounging as we are as we are as we love to be okay the empress major arcana energy girl so mm -hmm. tell me please a about the empress what does she mean to you you know I think it's that mama energy to me like that's what I think for whenever I see or pull the empress card I normally relate it to just where I'm at and what I'm doing within a home space or within a career space or yeah. within my health too like those are the three that I normally like look at when I pull the empress card because that energy is so it just is it's not trying to be or do it just is you know I do I think that that's every time I pull the empress card I'm like okay you're in a right space was it upright or upright Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that that's where my head goes is, is in those spaces of like, you're in that, the right energy, you know, like you're yes. in the right moment and mm -hmm. having awareness of that. The alignment, the connection, the abundance that is all of our birthright. Yeah. It's just there for us. And she really represents that. And she is that, I'm just going to say like the mother that we all need, <laughs> the mother that we all yeah. needed and need currently. It's interesting too, because we're doing, um, having a lot of talks around expanding our family right now. Really? So that alignment is definitely like, I think it's definitely picking up in that energy. Like I think fertility with this card too, of just like bringing in, you know, of, to your point of abundance, but it's like bringing in what is yours. Yes. Now, Harper, I would love it if you could teach us about what does your family entail as of now? What is the makeup? Who are we talking about here? Yeah. Yes. So I am married to my beautiful wife of, gosh, like two years and some change now. We have a 10-year-old daughter that she had from a previous marriage. And then I gave birth to my first daughter, I guess it was a year in July, which is so oh crazy. Gosh. But yeah, our family makeup is, we're all water signs. My, I always relate it to horoscopes. So you, so you can like get the dynamic. 
But Absolutely. My wife's a Scorpio. Our oldest daughter's a Scorpio. And then our oldest daughter's a triple Scorpio. Ooh, That's yes. I, I feel that so hard. <laughs> and then um, I'm a Cancer and Declan, my, my little one is a Cancer as well. So Sweet. we um, there's lots of mirrorment and parallels and alignment. And Declan's also a Sag moon. And (laughs) I know, so that'll be fun. She already is like a spitfire. (laughs) Like you already can see her personality emerging. Oh yeah. yeah. And she's so independent and she does everything in her time. It's not, you cannot like encourage her to do anything. She will just look at you like you are this small. And then absolutely. She's hilarious in the way that she says no like she's not just a lot of babies are like no she's like no (laughs) she's just very like get that away like she does this hand flick I need to get it on video because it's so funny like if we're feeding her and she doesn't she doesn't like vegetables she she says no and I'm like girl the quiet like anger I'm afraid of (laughs) that feels so empress like just like get that out of my sight she does her and our oldest daughter they're such old spirits I think that whole generation that's a whole other sidebar but they are so much older than all of us that yes it is ridiculous and now we're starting to see that other generation bubble up too underneath them and I'm like oh my god like we aren't you're not prepared we're in for something yes we're not prepared somebody has to save us please someone please help us man please (laughs) well the empress is here to bless this conversation yay so we'll see what (laughs) other wisdom she has for us as we keep going okay Harper, let's talk about your dream. So I, yeah, I've already gotten a little bit of a taste from you about how your dreamscape might look and feel a little bit different than a lot of other people's dreamscapes. So please teach us a little bit about how you dream. Yeah. So being um, clairvoyant and clairsentient, I actually identify in a lot of those spaces, but those are the two that I really am active in. I see my dream space as more of an active practice of being able to connect with my ancestral line and lineage and also being able to connect on a deeper level with my spirit guides and just have an awareness of where I'm at presently and an awareness of where I'm wanting to go may not be seeing where I'm going to go because I have more of a my own view of that is I don't like to see the future I don't like to see that space for myself I like to experience it and learn my lessons and I know not everybody is like that but for me it works great and my dream space is where I really evaluate like where I'm going and, and why I'm going there what's my why behind the way that I am. You know, if I'm experiencing anxiety when I go to sleep, I'm normally doing a a meditative thought process and just kind of running energy through my body. It really, my sleep space is such a practice. Like when I go to bed, I am actively running energy through my body and doing energetic work to cleanse the day away so that I can bring in what I need to receive during my dream space. Because when you really look at it, it's, you know, eight hours for me. Yes. A full work day. A full work day, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I want to be efficient. (laughs) That makes sense. 
Yeah, I'm trying to use that time. My Taurus rising is showing. She's like, what are we working on here? Yes. Like, yes. what is the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's amazing. Me, it is this active practice of, um, I do kind of have a ritual every single night that I go to sleep and it's not anything that feels like work. I think that's the biggest thing is in any kind of spiritual practice when it feels like work or when you're desperate or clinging, you're doing it wrong. And you just need to like, take a second. And it's great that you're showing up. But sometimes the best thing to do is just show up and and don't try to do anything, you know, and let 100% the energy move within you. Because I know for me, it still happens to me sometimes where I'm like, I'm searching for something so much that I'm just not, I've lost my enlightenment. <laughs> you know, I've lost the peace, I've lost the joy. You said earlier that it's important for you to reconnect to your why and your intention. Right. And that feels very much like Empress energy. She is grounded in her intention. She knows why she's here and what she's meant to do. And so when you talk about not wanting to see the future, it's that I want to stay grounded in the present. Like I want to stay where I am. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, it's beautiful. Yes. So my, I mean, my dream space is very active. It's never the same. I used to have reoccurring dreams when I was little. And then I realized that it was actually my spirit guide coming to me. (laughs) I didn't know that was, you know, I grew up evangelical. And so all things that we did not. Me too. So Mm -hmm, same. Yes. You know, I did a lot of self-exploration and discovery. And a lot of times too, it's just through experience. Like you can't deny what you experience. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing when people are like, oh, this is so woo woo, or this isn't real. And I'm like, just wait until you have your moment. And that's when, you know, you'll know, you'll know. That I completely agree because the way that spirit has sort of revealed itself to me is just in a unique way that was able to get through. Like it was like you said, you're able to have that kind of undeniable moment where you're like, I just know. I mean, that's a Claire too, right? Like that's just like a clear knowing and like their cognizance is the note, you know? Exactly. Okay. So when you were little, you would have these kind of recurring dreams that of course, as a child, you don't know what to make of, but then how did you start to make that shift and that association that, Oh, maybe this is my spirit guide speaking. Yeah, well, I would have these reoccurring dreams. I also would have these um, prophetic dreams that would come, but they were always present. It was more of a like, look at this right now. I see. A couple of times I had in my dream space, someone who was about to cross over come to me and say they were about to cross over and and I would need to go and tell someone and I yeah. would, and they would then go and like, see the person say their goodbyes and then they would pass over. So I knew at a very early age, this is a gift. I yes. didn't know, but it was, I wasn't in a space where I could genuinely talk about it and like be free to talk about it because it was just not a thing. But I will say growing up in a Southern evangelical culture, you're taught the Trinity, you know, God yes. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I never innately believed in God and Jesus. I had to be taught those concepts. I always was connected to the Holy Spirit, though. Always. I did not have to be taught it. I did not have to be 
you know, conditioned. I didn't have to any of that. Mm-hmm. As a child took note of that in my own ways, yeah. I wanted to, I always felt close to the Holy Spirit. So for me, when I transitioned into wanting to understand and kind of deconstruct my evangelical mm-hmm. conditioning and upbringing yeah. in an authentic way, and an unbiased way. Like I think religion is such a massive thing, but when you break it down, there's so many similarities between the way everyone is spiritual yes, and just the nuance. And when you get extreme, it gets to be a little much, you know? Divisive. Yeah. Divisive. That's a better, a better word. But when I started to do my own deconstruction, um, it was really in my late teens. And and honestly, it was when I was trying to answer the question if I could be gay and Christian, because I genuinely wanted to know. And I wanted to just know the facts and Taurus rising, coming back in. (laughs) I just wanted to know the like facts of it. And then I could figure out how I would navigate. Like if I had to say, okay, I'm going to be with this woman and I'm just going to like denounce Christianity or I'm like, oh, you can be gay and Christian. Why is this, you know, such a, why was this not taught properly? Because I had moments in my upbringing of, you know, hypocrisy and things not lining up. And if I asked questions, I wasn't told answers. I was talked to like I was, you know, a five-year-old when I was a 15-year-old. So that was always, I just didn't understand why some people were so for, you know, a, a very simple way of saying it was like, they were all, you know, against gays, but like totally fine with, having tattoos and dyeing your hair and they would pull things out of the old Testament and say, these are okay because the new Testament makes us new in Christ. But then Mm. they would point to Sodom and Gomorrah for the gay people. (laughs) And I'm like, this doesn't make sense, you know? And yeah, we're picking and choosing like how, you know, sort of convenient. Yeah. I would never, you know, attack, but I would ask why, we can pick and choose. It's the most powerful question. Yeah. And I would never be answered. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to find the answer to this. And I did. Spoiler alert, you can totally be gay and Christian. And it's like, I see Jesus as a prophet, as a person Mm -hmm. who did incredible things on this earth and lived the life that is depicted historically and contextually. All that to be said, I look at what Jesus said in the Bible and with discernment. And he does talk about gay people and it's never talked about. And it is, when I read that piece, it was my awakening and my separation from my evangelical upbringing. And I realized that that's where I need to really, what has been consistent in my life, the Holy Spirit, what has Mm -hmm. never, you know, left my space was the Holy Spirit. Like that was it for me. So I was like, okay, I now need to figure out what this is in my space. And I'm a water baby at heart. So the Holy Spirit would talk to me through water. It's so true. Yeah. My favorite days are, I think my ideal day would be a really strong rainstorm. And I just happen to be swimming in the lake. I would just like, I would be so blissful and like just pure joy. But that's where I would find the courage to explore those spaces. And, and there were just little things along the way too. Like it, even just growing up in the church, like 
the Wiseman story, I was enamored by the Wiseman because they followed this star and we know so little about them and they were historical astrologers. Mm -hmm. And in my church, that was like you say the words astrology or prophecy, if you're not reading it from the Bible where it says prophecy Mm -hmm. thousands of times, maybe not thousands, hundreds. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But like, it's all about context and and just people are so afraid of what they don't know. And they, it encouraged me to really just figure out, you know, why I was so connected to the Holy Spirit and why these reoccurring dreams, like I just wanted to start looking at that. Yeah. And a big part of that, you know, looking back, hindsight's always 2020, but my very first girlfriend, we met in the church. I started to have this like spiritual awakening. My Saturn return had not returned yet at all, but I really, I see that point in my life as what most people see their Saturn return as. Interesting. Because the exploration that I did on my own and the rootedness and the groundedness that I came to was just like, it was everything. And a lot of that I was used to just have so much disdain for my first girlfriend. And it was that toxic kind of love, you know, where we were just like, madly in love with each other or madly just wanting to not ever see the person again. It was never an in between. I see. It was just, you know, it was the first time that she had been with someone where she really came out and and she was this like closeted missionary. And then I, it was my first time being a woman with a woman at all. And I was sitting here figuring out my facts and like, we can be gay and together and raise God and all these things. But yes, you know, hindsight being 2020, I now see that I had to experience that so that I was encouraged to, it wasn't about the relationship. It was about the spiritual awakening for me. And wow. that's where I really found my enlightenment around that experience and, and have such gratitude for her and the character that she played in my story, because without that toxic love that I had in that moment, I would have never had my spiritual awakening to the exploration that I've now been on this beautiful journey for over 10 years. And Mm -hmm. I think that that for me was, you know, in a sense, the start of this beautiful chapter that I'm still in today. So exactly. Like that was the sort of catalyst moment for you. And a lot of what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that you have found this really like elusive balance for a lot of people of being able to hold and integrate the parts of your faith that have always resonated. Again, I'm holding up the Empress, like that have always been yours, but you've been able to also release and let go the aspects of your conditioning that were not healthy and that didn't work for you. And what a journey. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I work with a lot of people who are deconstructing and asking those hard questions, those tough why Mm -hmm. questions. And it is, I mean, it can be a long and winding road and it's, it's always so lovely to see someone who has kind of like found their way down that road. Yeah. And I think like my, anytime I talk with anyone who's in that kind of journey, I'm giving my unsolicited advice is yes, please don't have an expectation. You know, I wasn't trying to convince myself of anything. I truly was just wanting to read scripture and deconstruct what I was taught 
historically and contextually. It was a lot of like research. Like I, thank God I was in college at the time because I stayed at the library with scholarly reviewed articles that I wouldn't have had access to outside of being in school. But like, that's where for me personally, that's how it resonates with me. I need to put logic with my emotions because I naturally am the I feel girl, but I (laughs) also need the logic, you know, I need to be able to know why and and understand and be able to talk about my choice and my decision-making with other people when they attack my choices and my decision-making. Exactly. Very important to my essence of a person because my Sag Moon girl, we, we ready to roll out. Like, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) And that's another aspect of the sort of groundedness that we've talked about. That's part of your essence. Like I need to be grounded in what has for you been sort of this like academic intellectual process of like getting my head around these subjects in a way that is very powerful. Knowledge is power. It is. I mean, girl, I literally learned a dead language so that I could read the Septuagint in the way that Paul read it when he wrote the New Testament, like his his books, because I was like, I need to know. <laughs> like it was this level of dedication. Yeah, because I just wanted to know. Like, I remember there's going to be a movie that comes out this fall called 1946, and it is specifically about the word homosexual in the Bible and how it wasn't even in the Bible till the year 1946. And I happened to be a barista at an old bookstore, an old used bookstore, and a Bible came in that someone gave away from an estate sale that was like circa 1930s. I still have it. And homosexual is not in there. And I remember that moment being like, I mean. Like what an awakening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, and no one's willing to talk about it. That's the other thing. Everyone gets so defensive. And I think that's why I needed the knowledge because I'm constantly trying to be an enlightened like spirit, like all the time. And I go to anger when I feel attacked and that brings my vibration down. And so when I feel like I'm having to defend who I am, I wanted to be able to be in a space of being calm and being able to talk and it not affect me. And for me, that was, I had to have the knowledge to be able to communicate with other people when they did come at me for different spaces. So I think that's, like along with the unsolicited advice is just figure out what anyone needs to be able to articulate who they are. You know, for some people that's like me having to read everything. And for others, it's, they need to be able to paint it. They're like a sensory, like, yes, you know, it's different for every person. But if you find that you're grounded in your own beliefs and your own knowledge, then you don't feel that need to try to prove it to somebody else. You can just respond intelligently with like, here's the way that I've made sense of this. And then you can move on. Move on. (laughs) Yes, exactly. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I am delighted to announce that Psyche Magic is now on Patreon. This podcast is a labor of love and an independent operation. If you're like me, supporting independent arts is deeply meaningful and a source of pride. 
If you decide to become a patron of this podcast, know that you'll be helping to keep the lights on, allowing me to pay my team a fair wage, which as of now consists of myself and my amazing editor, Misuzu Inaga, and offsetting the financial and energetic costs of making the show. If you've been to my website, you also know that a portion of any proceeds from this podcast will go towards community-based organizations that support LGBTQ youth, such as the Oasis Center here in Nashville. By joining us on Patreon, you'll gain access to our bi-weekly bonus mini-sodes with meditations and exercises to enhance your dream work practices. This season, bonus minisodes will also feature custom healing frequency music by Misuzu Inaga herself to soothe your mind, body, and soul as you listen. You'll also receive detailed show notes for each full episode, as well as shout outs by name during the show. Bonus content for season one will remain free to all. If you weren't able to join the Patreon, there are still plenty of ways to support the show. You can share your favorite episodes with friends and loved ones, subscribe to us so you never miss an episode, and give us a five-star rating wherever you listen. You can also subscribe to our newsletter via our website so that you'll be the first to hear about new episodes, relevant articles and content, as well as fun interactive events I am planning for this season and beyond. Speaking of interactive events, I am trying something new this season. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you'll automatically be entered to win a free virtual 20-minute shadow work tarot session with yours truly. Together, we will pull cards and discuss their symbolic meaning, much like we do here on the show. Winners will be announced at the beginning of each month on our story highlights on Instagram, so be sure to keep an eye out. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to continue to watch our little community blossom. Can I ask you if therapy was ever a part of your deconstruction process or did you do this more sort of like in your own way? So therapy was like, it was peppered in, peppered in and out. It was always important to me and I didn't know why, but it was important to me to find a therapist who would allow me to talk about this side of myself. But at the beginning, I didn't, I remember, I don't even know this therapist's name. It was a college therapist. And it was like, maybe one of the, I might've known five out people at that time in my college in Alabama. And she was out and she was open to me talking about energetic pieces, which that was also my first girlfriend was so against it. Like, didn't even like, you know, here I am. I don't even know how many times I've mentioned everyone's horoscopes and their big threes. If I had said that with my first girlfriend, it was just like heresy, you know, Really, at that time it was. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'll push that side aside, you know, and not be a part of that. But Anyway, I don't know. So the, yes, therapy was peppered in. It was just always important to me to have someone who would allow me to talk about this side of myself and it not be something that they're trying to work me through. 
Exactly. They're not attached. They don't have yeah. an agenda. They can yeah. just let you process yeah. through it. Um, and in the, I have found it a little difficult to find like a consistent therapist that I actually am with a family therapist. Now we all go, right. she's incredible. And through her have since found out that I am neurodivergent, which I'm just really like navigating through that and like what that looks like for me. So, and she, she's just absolutely wonderful. So I think I might've found someone now that I can like stay with. So yes, it was definitely a part um, of my process, but it was more just peppered through. I'd say that in college, I really was doing this on my own. Yeah, exactly. And in the way that you knew how, which was through study. Yeah. Makes sense. I know. I The reason that I asked that question is that I often get people who um, they're looking for someone to help them deconstruct and they don't even know how to ask that that's what they are looking for. Like they'll, like they'll say things like, I want somebody who understands religion, but maybe like, isn't necessarily dedicated to right. one religion. And I'm like, Oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. But yeah, in my own journey, therapy has been integral for me because I was someone who dedicated helper and people pleaser that like I needed someone's physical voice telling me it's okay yeah. to ask these questions. <laughs> Like I needed to hear that from another human out loud. So yeah, anyway, that was, you know, maybe a bit of a tangent away from the dream world, but still I say that because I'm like, this is so relevant to me, to my work, to my listeners. And like, again, we asked for guidance for this conversation of where it needs to go and someone might really need to hear this. So I'm so glad that you're so open, Harper. Thank you. To get back to your dreams a little bit more, I would love it if you could walk us through like sort of an example of maybe like a visitation dream or even like an astral projection dream that you've had, because you mentioned that you kind of conceptualize your dream space as this sort of travel space. Right. And so, yeah, teach us a little more about maybe like what that looks like. Yeah. So if I am going to sleep and I'm, I'm asking for guidance or advice, or we'll use that as a, as an example, I literally last night was asking for guidance with a piece that's going on with my oldest daughter. And I asked for, it could come through my spirit guide or from ancestral lineage. And normally what happens for me, I also am clear audience so I can hear, I, it depends on like who the person is. And I, I allow that openness to happen of where it's clairaudience or if it's clairvoyance where I'm seeing, um, yeah. I see images and hear images through my spirit guide. Yes. So that's how I navigate in my dream space. So when I'm going to sleep and I'm asking for these things, I open it up to my spirit guide or to, I normally have three main visitors. Okay. The leading roles in my dream space is my grandfather, my great grandmother, and my mother. Those are the three that normally will come in and out and allow for guidance. They, I see um, spirits on the other side as kind of it's more energetic that how I see them. Yeah. I know who they are. And when they come in to visit, normally they are showing me pictures. I normally yeah. hear from my spirit guide. So that's, kind I see. Of the, that's how you can delineate 
those kind of energetic signatures of how they tend to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So for instance, last night I was asking for guidance. I also was asking for rejuvenation because I was in a place of depletion and feeling like I just don't, a lot of times in a Pisces moon for me, I get very inward and I don't want to, I don't really want to talk to everybody you know what I mean like if there's a Pisces moon I don't need to be on stage singing like that's not where I see (laughs) and so I was just asking for that replenishment as well which that normally comes from my ancestral lineage so for instance last night I left the door open for my spirit guide I call him handsome Jesus or HJ is like what I call him because he actually like I vividly see him I've seen him my whole life he looks like like a handsome Jesus picture, which is beautiful. I think that's why I never thought that Jesus was out. That's a whole other thing. But I, I do believe that like, that was why I kind of detached from Jesus being how he was depicted to me. I see. But, um, so I call him HJ and HJ will come through and we'll talk. And also like the way that HJ will talk to me is it's a lot slower than how you and I would talk. So I think that that is because not because HJ can't talk on our level. I think it's because when I am out of my body, I cannot receive it as quickly as I could hear. And HJ is knowing of that and talks to me a lot slower. So it almost, if you could imagine talking with an incredibly older, like elderly who just talks very, very slowly and like quietly. And which is a big indicator when I'm in a space, like not in a dream space, when my spirit got like when HJ starts talking loud, I'm like, okay, I need to like stop what I'm doing and listen. Wow. So yeah, so I, in my dream space, that's, that honestly is my practice of how I go to sleep. I will normally have set my intention and ask, ask for my needs. Yeah. And then during the dream space, I receive it. I mean, last night I heard what I need to do in respect to the guidance around my oldest daughter. And I saw what I need to do to have replenishment in my body. And then I believe fully the reason that I can like see and feel and hear so clearly is because I listen and I do what I'm also told. It's a reciprocal process. Like there's that trust and that knowing that if I ask for this, it will come. And I believe that fully, I accept that fully. There's no doubt. There's no tension. And that allows that channel to flow beautiful. (laughs) So my experience with this type of world is that I've had a couple of actually moments in session, like with clients where one of them would be talking about a loved one who had passed away. And I would start to clairsentiently feel like energy, like physical energy around me. And at first I had no idea what that was. I was like, ah, what's happening? I know. I'm scared. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I started learning more about the Claire's and about the way that spirit can communicate. And it led me actually, I had some more experiences with like a client who passed away that was really hard. And it led me into learning about the world of mediumship actually. And so that has been my, I'm a lifelong student. I'm a total nerd. You can find me in the library, right? Okay. So my sort of course of self-study right now is all about the world of mediumship and it is fascinating. So we can talk more about that whenever, girl. <laughs> I know. I, I think that was like my my self-study where I'm at right now is um, distinguishing between the Holy Spirit and my spirit guide and my ancestral lineage visitors and like all of those pieces. And then being visited by people I don't know that now are wanting to communicate through me to other people and wow. what that experiences like and the openness and and the protection like that's the other thing like if if anyone hears one thing it's always ground yourself if you're doing any yeah. of this work and protect yourself it's the most important thing i believe because if you are gonna astral project or you're going to leave your body intentionally protect yourself like it's just and it's just simple i mean i do a prayer it's just so simple yes. it's not a a big to do. It's just the activeness of you returning to your space. It's good boundaries. Yes. Right. Totally. Like that's the way that I see it is that I'm practicing good energetic boundaries. Yes. When I sort of just create that little bubble of protection around my energy, because I don't know about you, but as someone coming from an evangelical background, there was a lot of fear for me about any sort of encounter with the spirit world and messages indoctrination that I had gotten as a child, that that would be, I was opening myself up to something evil that could hurt me yeah. when in reality, like I am a spiritual being, I deep down impress again. Like I know that I'm a spiritual being that's actually my home. So right. it's not dangerous. Like this yeah. is already who I am. Yes. <laughs> um, but just like with humans, with the spirit world, you have to have good boundaries. You have to right. just know what you can and can't or will and won't and be willing to enforce that. So right. totally. Yeah. Okay. Your dream world sounds amazing. I also <laughs> wanted to ask you about, so you've used the term, or actually we've used the term astral projection a couple of times. Can you give us your kind of take on what astral projection is and how you practice that because it hasn't come up on the show yet but it is a topic I am fascinated by so yeah. please share so for me my journey with astral projection um actually started watching the show medium a long time ago I don't know if God, like I love that show years. okay so I've always been interested in remote viewing and what that is and what that it's comprised of can you define that term as well please remote viewing yeah yeah so that's where that's exactly what would happen to me as a child and i didn't know what was happening and i didn't understand why i could see something so vividly that i've one never been in the room before two had no reason to see that alexandria down the street was in a dance class in my favorite leotard so my journey within the space wasn't something that I sought out and was like, oh, I want to do that. And for yeah. some people it is. For me, it came to me. Yes. And it was something that I didn't have fear around. I felt incredibly supported. And that was 
you know, now I, I recognize that as HJ and my great grandmother. My great grandmother has been a guiding light for me. She scares a lot of my friends and my people. I have some funny stories, but she she is a because she'll show runner. up. Yeah, yeah. She will move little objects. Tennis balls are. We don't even really keep tennis balls in the house because it gets weird. It's a go-to for her. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a joke between she and I. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. And so all that to be said though, it was something that came to me and, Mm -hmm. and I go back to the protection piece because I think when people leave their body, whether it's intuitively or innately or instinctually, or they do it because they want to, and they want to remote view, like one of my dream jobs would be working for the CIA or FBI if I wasn't an artist. When I found out that was a real thing, I was like, that's incredible that there are people whose clairs and psychic abilities are actually used to help solve cases. Ever. That's real. Like that's not just a trope on a TV show. Yeah. No, it's so real. Um, People write what they know, you know, I digress. But for (laughs) me, Um, remote viewing is being able to go into a space that you've never been before, or maybe you have, maybe you do have ties to it and that you can go into the space and essentially see some people remote view. They can, they're clairsentience. They can feel the energy of the room. Some people, they don't actually see the room, but they can hear. So clear audience into the remote viewership, clear goosebumps. Like, I mean, there's every single clear can be used in the remote viewership. And yes, all of your five senses. Yes, exactly. Exactly. For me, um, clairvoyance and clairaudience is what I more get when I'm remote viewing. I do remote view through intentional remote viewing at this point. I don't normally, I have such protection and groundedness around my space and energy that I don't get pulled in spaces. Good. Yeah. you got stuff to do. <laughs> I'm busy. So, <laughs> but that being said, it really is a simple like concept is that of being, when I intentionally go into, I do a groundedness, a protective practice, which is centered around prayer and inviting in uh, my spirit guide in a similar way of how right before when you were, you know, clearing the deck of inviting in like guidance and, and those pieces. And then I am taken, I mean, and I, I go and I am trying to, on a like astrophysics level, that's kind of more of my self-study right now too, is I'm interested in the why and how it happens because I know and believe it. And I have had, I mean, I'm working with a family right now and they have an incredibly brilliant energetic child and I remote view in that space a lot. And there is a connection between me and the child where I can just, I can go like very quickly. And I'm interested in the why behind that, because is it because I'm connected to the child or is it because I'm connected to the family or connected to the space? Exactly. Like, how does this work? Right. And so, and for me, astral projection is incredibly similar. I normally, if I'm going to astral project, I am doing it in a bathtub. Makes sense. I know my wife watched Stranger Things and she was like, did they like look at you because I also when I astral project I actually will put uh, something around my eyes so that I'm not seeing light around me um, that's in this space and not in another space because I get distracted (laughs) exactly yeah and then I literally do I don't put the salt and all that kind of stuff in the bathtub unless I'm fancy sometimes I'll do a bath salt I was gonna say sometimes it's nice but 
not necessary. It's an interesting visual because my journey with astral projection, and it wasn't something I was taught. Like I started astral projecting back in college. And like, obviously there was an internet and all these things, but it wasn't like access wasn't readily available of the like, how to no. do this or the, you know, that piece was told to me by HJ. And I just listened. I listened and I felt secure and stable. And normally when I'm going in those spaces, it's when it'll be, I need an answer quickly to something or guidance. It's not Some even understanding. Like, yeah. Yes. And it's normally like big moments or sometimes too, like right now, specifically my astral projection work is centered around being able to communicate with people on the other side and communicate well and understanding the signs and signals that becomes my own language of like Tyler Henry, you know, he scribbles and he does a whole thing. Understand this is a medium and he has a Netflix special that is absolutely worth watching if you're interested. Yes. thousand percent and like understanding my language between the other side it's symbol right I'm holding up the tarot card again you you create this sort of agreed upon symbol library with your guides exactly and I've done that with many in many spaces especially with people that I'm talking to like I can decipher and see it and talk almost as quickly as I'm talking with you but in talking to people on the other side who their person isn't even in the space. Like that's been something where I've been visited in my daily life by energies that, you know, they know that I'm going to see someone in a coffee shop and like it hasn't even happened yet. That's been a new overflowing, like abundance of shifts for me of just, and, and I, I welcome it. I just want to have the understanding of it. So my astral projection right now in terms of leaving my body is for guidance and clarity. And it's kind of like a little school for me. (laughs) Makes so much sense. And I love the fact that you were able to kind of follow the little breadcrumbs from your guides that led you to creating this practice that sounds like it's been unfolding for a while and is probably still unfolding. Yes. And I think, again, it's just protection is like the biggest thing because yes. the one, like when my wife, if she were to walk in and I'm in the bathtub, I'll have the TV on and a little, like, I mean, I normally do like a scarf around my face. Sometimes I don't, if I have the room dark, like she'll walk in and the, all the lights are off, you know, <laughs> but all that to be said is your body is still very much present. And I feel very safe in a bathtub. Some people may not feel very safe in a bathtub. They may feel like they could fall in and drown or like slide in and like not, you know, be, and that could be a traumatic experience. So I would just, if you're interested in astral projection, ask for guidance and what could be your route in, um, It could be sitting on a bench in a park and forest, you know, like who knows? I think it really is your own inward journey. Yes. Oh, that makes so much sense. I also want to ask you about, because you mentioned like I'm working with a family, I'm doing some of this. Are you currently working with people as like an intuitive? Is that what you mean? So, yeah. So the way that it's, it's an interesting journey for me. Again, I just, I take the lead from HJ and my people on the other side. I am stepping into a space where I'm being a lot more vocal about these gifts that I have. Um, If you were to come to a show to my, of mine, and, and there was a spirit that was wanting to talk to 
someone, I would find the person and talk to them. And like, I, Harper, I love this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely stepping into that space. My, all of my friends and family know of my gifts. My, where I'm stepping into now is I never want this side of me to feel like work. So when I say I'm working with a family or helping, it's actually not transactional. Like I, I told, you know, this particular family, I was like, I will be a part of her life forever. Like, this is something that like, I'm willing to be a part of her life as long as I need to be. If you need to call me in the middle of the night, I'm here. If you need to, I never want it to be transactional. That's not, and I'm very clear on that. And so I think that's the space that I'm stepping into. I know that's the safe space that I'm stepping into now and just, you know, figuring out what that looks like for me and um, in my own journey. But so, yes, I am working with people, but it, it's more of a um, it's like a lifelong work, you know, like just pouring into my it's like a way to give back. It's like yes. a gift that you just want to share. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. That is so, so lovely. Like, I'm so moved by that, Harper. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Yeah, we're going to be talking more about that, girl, <laughs> for sure. Okay. Oh, we're already coming to the end of time. I would love to hear more, though, about sort of the way that you, because we haven't talked about your music yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I want to hear more about sort of the way that all of this integrates with your musical process, right? Yeah. So like, do you feel like you are, when you're writing a song or when you're singing a song, do you feel that there is an element there of trying to sort of access the subconscious and work with these energy? Like, does that all flow together for you? Like, how do you conceptualize that in terms of how it integrates with your work? Yeah. So my most recent um, EP, Confessions of a Good Southern Lady, is actually all about my journey um, through coming out as being queer, but also like unraveling my faith and and then building it back up. So I write from experience, everything that I'm writing, whether it's happened to me or be careful what anybody tells me ever, because it would probably turn into a song, like get into a song. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I definitely welcome in my spirit guide. Normally when I'm in a session, I have already done like a previous, like preemptive meditation with HJ and and just myself just to really clear out like anything and everything know the intention of the song because music is energy and I'm very clear on that of I could write something in a moment in a time and in you know 30 years that moment is still living and breathing and existing and having that awareness of this may not be for somebody right now it may be for someone years from now you know yes so all that to be said I think it all is integrated you know it's like yes I think that like you said you're a lifelong student it's like I'm a lifelong student and then also it's just everything is a practice like there's no right or wrong way I know what doesn't work for me is like structured time of like this is when I meditate and this is when I do this okay this is yeah that doesn't work for me which is ironic because I'm normally very like creature of habit structured Um, But when it comes to this world, it's kind of the integration of the daily space, you know, like that makes sense. I'm constantly connected in and, and just like operating with that. So, so yeah, it's all connected. It's, I was gonna say, it's more of just like sort of a way of life and a way of being in the world at this point, right? Like it, it is a part of everything that you do. Yeah. 
by the way, you will love this Harper. <laughs> when you said the words music is energy an orb floated by on your left oh, side. I, if you, and I saw it very clearly. I, I'm pretty sure that I saw it too, which is yeah. funny because my, my mom is in the space right now. So like She's definitely, I have on my Instagram, some reels of if people have never seen orbs, when I sit down and sing, I'm at my piano right now. When I sit down and sing, they are like, my whole body is covered in like chills and energy right now as you talk about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's super cool. And so that's kind of the way that you experience her spirit and her presence at times. Yeah, in real like. in real life, she her energy is very orb oriented. My grandfather is too. My great grandmother, she lives in electricity. So, and I will say too, my youngest daughter is definitely energetic, and yeah. we will be seeing. <laughs> she communicates with my great grandmother right now through our fire alarms and sets them off. It is the wildest thing to the point to where my wife took off all of the fire alarms and threw them in the trash can. Like uh, this is, we need a different method. I'm telling you it's, it's stranger things, but with fire alarms where she was like, Declan would start laughing and then the fire alarm would go off. And Dawn got that fire alarm off and was like, and took it off. And then a fire alarm on the other side of the house went off. So (laughs) it's just, yeah, it's just that like, it's kind of like, you know, energy can never be created or destroyed and it's going to find a way, right? Like, yeah, that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. There's so much more that I want to ask you, but I hope that this is the beginning of more of just like a relationship. I want to get to know you better. Now I would love it if you could also just share with the listeners, like how can they follow along with your work? How can they get involved? Where can they find your music, your shows? So please tell us all the things. Yeah. So I am everywhere all the time. Instagram, TikTok. That's where I I live and breathe a lot more. Um, I'm constantly uploading little reels and TikToks of videos of me singing. If you love seeing orbs in real life, I catch them all the time on my me singing. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely something to look at. Um, I'm on all of the digital sites. So Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you get your music, my music is there. Um, And then website, harpergraymusic.com. So that's the through line through it all is just at harpergraymusic. Yes. Yes. And I will just say for what it's worth, um, I am, I am a music lover. I'm a musical person. And when I listen to Harper's music, I feel so much like just energy and power, like that translates through the song and through the airwaves. And it always affects me. You have such a powerful voice, Harper. So thank you for sharing it with us. It was so inspiring. Yes. I'm so happy to be able to share and maybe we can do a part two sometime. I would love that. <laughs> Harper, this was a delight. Yes, it was Thank so you much so much. Thank you for sharing so openly, teaching us so much. I, I am inspired to really be more intentional about my sort of like spiritual rituals and connective rituals just from talking to you. So oh, thank awesome. you. No, of course. Well, thank you so much for this time. It was a, yes. a joy. <laughs> it was so fun. Lots more in the future, please. Yes. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you again to my guest, Harper Gray. I'm still giddy from our conversation. 
May your Empress energy be an eternal flame for all who need it. If you believe in this work and want to support the continuation of our show, please join us on Patreon. There we are building a community where you'll find bonus dream work exercises, guided meditations, community events, and so much more. The link to join is in our show notes. And extra special shout out to our newest patrons, Missy and Michelle. Thank you, thank you, thank you for keeping the magic alive. Don't forget, if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you'll be automatically entered into a monthly contest to win a free 20-minute shadow work tarot session with yours truly. But please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you. And you could be featured on a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at psyche underscore magic. Check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. Link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Grace Fuse and Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time.